Hey, I'm Lauren. And I'm Carrie. And we planted a church. And we didn't know what the heck we were doing. But now we kind of do. I mean, it's uh, survived 10 years. And we're still married, so that's good. So we made this podcast for couples like us. We're following God's lead to start a new church. Because church planting is really, really hard. So we're here to walk you through some of the steps along the way, help you think about some of the challenges you might face, and talk about how your marriage can not just survive, but thrive while planting a church. Welcome to the Church Planting Together podcast. You're listening to episode three. All right. Well, welcome to the Church Planting Together. It's our podcast where our goal is to lead church planting couples to thrive in both their marriages and ministries. Because this stuff is really hard. Yeah. Yes, it is. And uh, we had been talking about getting our uh, our uh, sense of uh, of call and mission here in, in our church plant, here, in our context here in Utah. We talked a little bit about the assessment process and just the good of having some other people to speak into your life, affirm that call, that kind of thing, which was great for us. And now we wanted to start talking about uh, kind of the scary parts of uh, <laughs> yeah. of what do you do now? Okay, so you've felt the call, you have other people affirm that. Now what? Okay, awesome. We're going to be church planters. Yeah. What in the world does that mean? <laughs> yeah, and that's... Uh, that's there's a lot that goes into trying to figure out our next steps here. Um, one of the big, one of the big uh, steps that we'll talk about next time is uh, fundraising, um, some of that, and uh, that's a, a, a daunting, challenging thing for some, um, maybe most, but uh, definitely for us, that was scary. But I feel like uh, God was really good to us in giving us a coach who was able to come alongside of us, uh, someone who was there at our assessment that really was very helpful for us with that endeavor. So that was not nearly as scary as it could have been, uh, end up actually being a, a pretty, a pretty good thing. Mm-hmm. So we'll talk about, <laughs> uh, fundraising a little bit next time, but before we do, we wanted to talk a little bit more about what do you have to do before you can fundraise? So there's a little bit of a buffer here of, um, as you're going to be fundraising, you're going to be, talking to people about the church and telling them what you're doing and why. And so there's some work that you need to do before you can put together an effective fundraising strategy so that you can be effective in fundraising. Yeah. You need to make sure you know what you're doing and why. <laughs> at least enough to talk about, right? Because I think that probably likely if we were to look back at what we said we were going to do and what God was up to, things are a little bit different for us. But the general deal is the same. The culture is the culture. Yep. And our goal to see uh, a church planted is still there, even if some of the things that, you know, we did uh, moved and changed over time. Uh, Ed Stetzer, he's uh, a church planting guy. He's the man. Yeah. The church planting guy, right. (laughs) Um, That we all have to listen to. He does, uh, says a lot of good things. One of the things that he said was, we think this is him anyway. um, The the (laughs) how of church planting is determined by the who, what, and where of your culture. So in order for you to know how you're going to plant a church, he's saying you need to know the who, what, and where of your culture. Yeah, and this is this is what makes it hard because there's not one formula that you use that will just work everywhere. Yeah. So you need to think through specifically some very important things. Yeah, so for example, our well just we're not going to give people I mean we might talk about, but we're not going to just tell you here's the strategy that you should have to plant a church because it's going to look different here in Utah. This is going to look in, you know, wherever you might 
find yourself planting in some other place. And so that part we're not going to talk about, um, at least in terms of here's how you should do it. You know, we might <laughs> share with you uh, what we did and, and why and what worked or didn't work, but that's, you know, that might, may or may not help you in your context specifically. Um, but we do need to talk to people when we're going to be fundraising about where we're going and why and, um, and, and, and about our basic strategy. And so, so we had to try to figure some of that out. So now there's some good books out there. Um, we, uh, read a lot of stuff. This was 10 years ago, so there's probably better stuff out now, but we read, uh, Ed Stetzer's planting missional churches. That was a good, good book for us to start developing some things with. We read, um, Tim Keller has a, has a, uh, a church planting manual that Redeemer city to city put, put out together. And that was useful in a lot of ways, talking about exegeting your culture and understanding how to learn about the culture you're going into. And so there's a few things like that, that are very worth, uh, one's time at this phase in church planting. Um, but, uh, but you definitely need to know some things about your culture. What are some things that we need to know about our culture for us to be able to effectively plant somewhere? Well, I think first you need to know who it is that you're serving. <laughs> you need to know about them. Um, what things do they value? What things do they struggle with? What needs are not being met? Um, and then for us, there were some really important statistics of the area that really helped us formulate a plan of how we were going to speak into the lives of the people in our area. Yeah. So like, uh, for example, if you are planting in um, Minnesota, uh, what, what, what some converged pastors who plant there will talk about is there's a lot of people that grow up Lutheran. And then at some point, um, they sort of become nominal believers and float away. And then a lot of a lot of churches there can re-energize folks that grew up with faith, but maybe haven't been practicing their faith for a long time. And now all of a sudden, are have families and careers and are facing things in life, and they they're looking for something, right? So that might that might be if that's your context, then you know, uh, planting in a way that connects with those you know nominal Christians might make a lot of sense for you. And, and that ministry might look a little different for us. Um, there's not a lot of those type of people. There's those don't <laughs> exist here so much, right? We don't have, you know, with, with the, with the population that as a whole is like less than 2% Christian. And then even in where we live in Davis County, it's less than 1% of the, of, of the population is in a Christian church worshiping on Sunday. And so you're just not going to find a lot of people that are like post Christian, you know, or, um, that kind of thing. But you will find a lot of people that are a product of their culture here. Uh And that means they're either uh, LDS people that are just in it to win it, you know, or there are people that even though that's what they grew up with and that's their, those are their, their people, uh, they're, they're not um, uh, as active in that faith as other people. That doesn't mean that they're not totally bought into the worldview, but it just means that they're a little bit different. So for us, you know, uh, we had to learn a lot about that. Uh, the, the, the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we had to know what are some products, uh, what did that, what does that led to in their culture here? So, uh, for example, here, there's a, a really high level of teen suicide. We have uh, a much larger, than normal um, or than average uh, anxiety and depression rate. That's the most prescribed antidepressants uh, per capita in the country here in Utah, at least when we were planting 10 years ago. And uh, highest per capita 
uh, plastic surgery per capita, you know, here in Utah uh, than anywhere else. Interesting. Uh, highest uh, level of uh, subscriptions to pornographic websites than anywhere else in the country. A lot of really interesting things going on. And a lot of those are at some level related to a culture that puts a high value on looking a certain way on the outside uh, because you're, you're really kind of judged by your outward appearances by many in the, in the culture. And so that factors into thinking through what do the people value here? You know, those are some questions that we ask to figure out our, you know, what our culture is like, what do people value here in Utah? What do, what do people really struggle with here? And, uh, and then sort of sorting out then from there, what, a, what a church ought to do that, that connects with people, some of those levels. So what was, what was some of the steps aside from just reading stuff, right? We, we had, uh, um, we had a, a friend, uh, a couple who had moved out here, you know, years before and had planted a church that, uh, that I had met, uh, at Talbot. And, um, what would you say their role was for us? Like, how would you characterize their role in our, in our journey? I, they were huge for, especially for me, um, because Lauren had, he had all the books, he had other pastors. He's part of pastors networks. As soon as, um, our pastor knew he was heading that direction, he connected him with people to talk to where I was just sort of along for the ride. Um, but meeting with this couple was huge because I could ask, I could ask the question specific to me. What is it like in this culture? What is it like for your kids? What is it like as a church planner's wife, like all of those things were huge. And so I focused a lot on um, what is the culture here like for women? And that was really eye-opening. There were a lot of things that you wouldn't understand just by coming and looking and saying hi to people. Cause no one's going to tell you, Oh, Hey, I really struggle with depression because I feel like I'm failing as a mom because I'm not doing this or that. And and I know that that's true a lot of places, but just listening to her talk here, it is so much more. And for me, talking to someone who's actually living and doing what we're going to do in the role that I was going to be with, even though we're different people, different personalities, different gifts, things are going to be a little bit different. But I didn't have the opportunity to talk to a lot of um women who were church planting or the spouse of the head planter, because the roles are different, but I feel like our heart was the same and our passion was the same. And I saw that with her too. They were a church planting couple and she spent a lot of time with the kids and encouraging her husband, but she's no less a church planter. And that was really good for me to, to see. So understanding her role. And that was one where I instantly realized children's ministry is going to be huge because I mean, families would come and they have five kids. Well, it's a big part of the Utah culture here is yeah. uh, one. We have the highest um, or the largest uh, family size per family in the country and uh, young median age, but most kids, you know, per family in the country. And uh, so they, and they have a, just a huge value on family yeah. here. And so that, that was something that we did uh, learn pretty early. One of the ways uh, that we connected with, uh, with our friends was uh, we, we took a, a trip out here. We decided now for some people, like if you're going to be planting in the same city where you're, 
uh, already living, you know, you don't need to yeah, do something You don't like need this. this step. <laughs> yeah. But, but you do need to know your culture. Well, but if you grow up there, you probably know it pretty well, but we were outsiders. We had come here on mission trips, um, you know, several times, but hadn't spent a lot of time here. And so we, uh, had a friend who had already planted and we went out there and just stayed a week, uh, with them and just, uh, you know, asked a lot of questions and, um, like you're saying, just, just sort of, wanted to learn about the culture as much as we could. And so we uh-huh. allowed them to kind of share with us what they had already learned and what they knew. And uh, they kind of pointed us to a few different places. I think we'd ask them, you know, where are some places that are uh, just really underserved by yeah. the church? Where would you go? If where you would were you gonna, go? If yeah. Do another one. Where would you go? Mm-hmm. And so they gave us three or four places that, that places of, that they knew of that were, it didn't have a lot of Christian influence, but that, you know, needed it. Uh, that's all of Utah, but, but they gave us a few places in particular. And so we kind of drove around some of those places, just praying that God would give us a little bit of direction. Um, what we wanted was to be able to come home and be able to put together a presentation to, um, help people see the need for planting churches here. Because it's not like, I mean, you could make a case that says we just need to send mission missionaries here, but we didn't want to just send missionaries here. We thought we needed a stable community because the kind of uh, investment or the the kind of break that, that for some people to leave Mormonism, they're, they're not going to make that cataclysmic shift in Mm -hmm. their life. If there's not a community that's going to be there to receive them as they leave something that's meant uh, so much to them their whole life. And so we really felt like it's not just a missions kind of a thing where you come in and out, but it's a, a missions thing where, we need to see churches planted here. And so we wanted to make that case. And so we needed to learn the culture and we needed to uh, kind of be able to uh, get as specific as we could about what the people were like there, what the location was like, and uh, and be able to paint that picture, uh, especially as we were going to go fundraising and talking to church mission boards or just individuals, be able to share with them a little bit about where we were going and why. So those were some of the some of the early things that we were doing um, was spending that time trying to learn the culture and uh, and kind of come to a place where we understood where we were going so that we could share uh, that same uh, information with people uh, people later. And I think in that process, it got us even more excited about what we were doing when you can really, you know, it's funny because when we're sharing our vision or even like building our vision it really is, it excites me and just kind of drives me more and helps me see the reason even for myself, <laughs> why, why we're doing what we're doing. And I think that's important. I think we actually always need to go back to that. Even doing this is really fun because we're remembering these early stages yeah. and our church looks so different now from when we started, but we're like, wow, look what God did. Look at Remember that phase when we had no idea if we'd be working at Starbucks forever <laughs> with a yeah. Bible study in our house. And it's just really neat to see that, yes, there was a need and God filled it through our little church community. Yeah. So it's a good time. I think during this, before you're fundraising, before you're into that whole phase, um, to get to know the culture a little bit, to um, understand the the values and understand all those things. I think also it's a great time to connect with some other pastors in the area mm-hmm. and um, ask them some questions about, you know, if you could do it all over again, what would you do? You know, um, where where do you see the 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 biggest needs right now? Um, 
how have you, what's, what's, what, what have you seen the most fruit from, you know, what kind of, uh, advertising seems to work for you here? What kind of, uh, ministries attract, uh, new believers or attract people from the culture here? So, you know, just really learning as much as you can so that when you're developing some of those ministry models and some of the fundraising things that you're doing to talk about the kind of ministry model you're going to have. <laughs> it's not just made up out of thin air stuff, but it's stuff that you can say, well, I've, you know, I've talked to 10 pastors and they uh-huh. all said, this is what will help you connect. And so this is going to be a big thing for us, you know? So uh, I guess learning the culture, learning who's been there and what's working and not working uh, and, and then trying to, you know, develop a model that that's educated that way. It's uh-huh. not just making it up. Yeah, and you don't you're not necessarily going to do all the things that the other churches are doing, but for us I feel like that was so helpful to talk to pastors who I think was Brian at like year 3 or something and then there was a church who had been here I don't remember what South Mountain was at that point, but a little bit longer and then there was another pastor that said it was nothing until you're six, year seven, it started to just build up. And then like, there were so many pieces of advice that when we were going through it, we would think back to and say, Mm -hmm. oh yeah, I remember them saying this, don't get discouraged. Like this is a normal, normal thing to go through. And I think every context is a little bit different. And so it's helpful to understand because if we were comparing ourselves to church planter friends in like Southern California, it's going to be a lot different. Yeah, for sure. And this is one of the, I think, benefits of us not knowing anything Yes, <laughs> was that we didn't come in with kind of guns blazing, like, oh, I know how to plant a church and I'm going to replicate the model that worked really good in Miami. And I'm going to come and do that right here and see a huge, see a huge church, you know? And so, uh, I mean, maybe, maybe it could work again. I don't know, but like <laughs> there are, there are some ways of doing ministry here that, that maybe look different. So if you're used to, you know, Southern California, the large harvest crusades, a big, the big, uh, evangelistic outreaches like that. Um, they've tried things like that here and just have not seen a lot of response through some of the more traditional kinds of evangelism and, uh, with those sorts of mass events. And we've seen a lot of pastors, uh, talk about big investments that have been made in that and just not a lot of fruit, whereas they've seen a ton of fruit through different kinds of ministry that maybe would be more useful uh, as a, as a church planter. And so that's helped us like, you know, figure out, well, what are the kind of things that we want to invest our time yeah. and energy into as opposed to some others? And here's why. And, be and able not to that share those that. things won't work yeah. someday no, here. The sure. culture is changing, but Absolutely. it's good to know before you throw a lot of money at something yeah. to be wise and, talk to people who've been here longer than you. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, and, uh, and so wanting to be able to, to talk about why, uh, why a church plant instead of a missionary, you know, um, uh, we wanted that continual presence here. We mm-hmm. think that churches that, that church plants well, reach new people in new places better than anything. I'd argue that church planters kind of are missionary. Well, yeah, it's a different kind of, I mean, in terms of, in, instead of short Long term, term, yeah, instead of like, you know, what we used to do when we'd come in for a couple of weeks with the, with the team and then, and then head home. So instead of that mentality, but we're going to live here and stay here and create, instead of just um, a parachurch uh, person, we exactly. need to see churches planted. Uh, and so and there's a lot of cities still here where we live that don't have a, a Christian church in them. And so, 
we think that 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 should change over time. And, uh, and that that's a better strategy. Getting new churches in these places is a better strategy for reaching and changing the spiritual landscape than just, uh, sending mission teams for short term evangelism here and there. So, uh, I think that we, that information that we are able to glean and there's different demographic things that you can learn to, you can go to us census, um, stuff and, and learn some other demographic things. Uh, in terms of uh, age breakup and ethnicities uh, and um, uh, income levels. And you can learn a lot through doing some demographic research. And I think that all of that is very important for the church planters to do as much as that as you can, so that when you are able to put that together into kind of a support presentation, you've got some, uh, you've got some facts and figures behind what you're saying. Yeah. Back then we even did a binder. We were old school. We did. We had a binder. Yeah. It was, a uh, what we made a, we made a, a PowerPoint presentation and then printed off the slides. And then we would just go through the, go through the binder with folks and we were doing our, some of our fundraising stuff. So, um, very useful tool. It was very useful and we still have it and can look back and that's fun too. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So let's, let's, um, Let's move forward with our next one, talking a little bit more about that fundraising strategy. We'll kind of um, hit on that later. Is there anything else we wanted to talk about uh, now? I mean, I think just recapping the things that you need to know before you start (laughs) fundraising, the things that you need to be able to share, Mm -hmm. which would again, be the, the, who you're going to serve. What are the things that they value? What are the things that they struggle with? What needs are not being met that you might be able to meet? And then some statistics about the area. Well, yeah. And then, uh, also I guess some of the, the underlying theology of the oh, area, yeah. I forgot that. our theology here is very different. So what people, you know, I love that quote, uh, AW Tozier, where he said that the most important thing about a person is what they believe about God. What's, what's in a person's mind when they think about God is the most important thing about a person. Just a real, I mean, I'm wildly paraphrasing his, his thought there, but the idea is very important because their theology of, of, uh, of, the, of the folks who live here um, are what set a lot of those things about the kind of people that we're going to be serving, what they value and don't value, and where needs are, and what needs they're willing to meet, what needs they won't meet, uh, some of the history and theology goes into a lot of that. And that's going to be different for other people in different places, but huge, uh, huge here. So if you're Mm -hmm. a largely, you know, atheistic, uh, area, then your theology, you know, is going to be, is going to be lacking in a a way you're going to, you're going to have a a different set of challenges here. Um, almost everybody believes in God. Uh, but what they're thinking about w- when they think about God is of, is just wildly different than mm-hmm. what a biblical worldview would would think would would cause you to believe about God if you were sticking with that, and so that uh, creates some challenges. But we need to understand some of that so that we can figure out how best to bring the gospel into into this different culture. Yeah, in a way that they'll understand. Yeah. What we're saying, what the gospel truly is. Yeah. And that's a whole different, you know, maybe podcast is the <laughs> ministry to, you know, people of the LDS uh, faith, but, uh, um, but maybe we can talk about that someday, but that's a little <laughs> bit more specific than maybe we want to be when yeah. we're just talking about churches. That there aren't are, many of planting. us planting in that context. But I loved that we were able to 
do that trip that we took into Utah together. Yeah. It wasn't just me coming and learning. No. It wasn't just you going and learning, but it was uh, both of us coming and driving and praying and thinking and talking about what we were seeing and yeah. why and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Every, every stage of church planting for us was an us thing. It wasn't a Lauren thing or a Carrie thing. It was always a, it's the Pankratz family now. This is, this is who the Pankratz family are. I mean, our toddlers were involved in that. This has impacted their life in incredible ways too. And we had to take that into account the whole time as well. Right. Yeah. A lot of the training that we would do for our missions teams, uh, Carrie came on some of those trips. And so we did a lot of that training together too, in terms of learning the theology and the, the, the kinds of people then that we're going to meet when we get here, you know, we had spent time Uh on the field, you know, in that environment. And so we had, we had a lot of, uh, a lot of ideas for uh, what that would look like. And, And that helped us as we moved into fundraising to know, uh-huh. uh, to be able to, be able to talk intelligently about what we are going to find yeah. when we get here and how we're going to reach those people. Yeah. I loved this stage because I felt like I could be an active participant in everything during this phase. Even with having kids, I was included in everything. Once we were on the ground, it got a little bit more challenging. So we'll definitely talk about mm-hmm. some of those things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, good work. Good work. We will uh, do this again soon. (laughs) Okay, good game. Okay. (laughs) Okay, so that was our show for today. Yeah. If you liked it, tell a friend and do all the subscribe stuff so you can find the next one we do. Thanks for listening to the Church Planting Together podcast. See ya.